text I want to read for tonight is out of Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah wrote a number of chapters, probably the most written of, of the prophets in the scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 1, he says, If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. And so right here in the first verse, we see a, a very clear Rosh Hashanah theme, as we were just reading in that responsive reading, and um, that return, teshuva, we return to God, return unto Him. Uh, the word there that's used is, is teshuva, teshuv, to turn, to turn back to God, to turn away from the direction we're going, to turn from our sins, from our abominations, and turn towards God. So He invites us, He calls to us to return to Him. with a very merciful, loving God. We've ran away from him. All have turned our backs on him. All have gone astray. All have run from him, each one of us. And he's inviting us to come back. Turn from the abominations. Turn to him. And then he promises, if we do that, we will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We will not be unsettled as we go through the trials and struggles of this life in this earth. Verse 2, you shall swear, the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. So again, wonderful promise. He invites us to come to him. He invites us to come back to him. He comes pursuing us. He doesn't sit up in heaven and say, well, hey, when you're tired enough, come and come to me. He comes pursuing us just as he pursued Adam and Eve when they sinned. He came looking for them. He came after them. He comes looking for us. He comes to us and invites us to return to him. And then he promises us that, that we will say in, he is truthful, he is righteous, and is in judgment. There again, a theme of, of, of this time, the judgment theme. God is truth, God is righteous, and God is judge. And we will bless ourselves in him as we come to him. He pours out his blessings upon those who repent, turn from their sins. Verse 3, Thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up the fallow ground, do not sow among thorns, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, take away the foreskin of your hearts, lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evils of your doings. And so while God comes to us with love and mercy, and long-suffering, and reaching out to us, and very patient with us, he reminds us there is a day of judgment. To break up the hard ground, to, you know, the farming analogy, to break it up, break up the, the hard dirt, our hardened heart, our stiff neck, allow God to break it up, to make it usable, to be planted in, to be able to receive the seed, that the seed may grow. It's to break up the heart, the hardness, the coldness, the uncaring that we are, the cruel selfishness that we have within us needs to be broken up, destroyed, so God can plant in us a new heart, a loving heart, a caring heart, a victorious mind that gains victory unto victory, a new life. Cut away the foreskin of your hearts. Old heart, again, the, the sinful heart that we're born with, a heart that's naturally, normally, how we're born, all of us, naturally, 
with resistance to God. Circumcise the heart, cut away the uncleanness of the heart. Or else, there will be a day of judgment. There will be a fire that will not be quenched. We read in Jeremiah the other day, out of chapter 6, where the message is today, and in Jeremiah's day were peace, peace, don't worry, don't worry. But God reminds us there is a day of judgment. Shofar's remind us there's a day of judgment. Yom Kippur is coming. There is a judgment day. God kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden for one sin. He certainly won't let us back in. We have rebellion in our hearts. Declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem, blow the shofar in the land. Cry, gather together and say, assemble yourselves. Come together for Rosh Hashanah. Come together, blowing the shofars, announcing. Let us go into the fortified city. It's the war analogy. Set up the standard toward Zion. Take refuge. Do not delay. I will bring disaster from the north, a great destruction. Again, mixture of warning, get ready, come to God. God will fortify us. God will protect us. Fortified cities. He will set a standard up for us. He will give us refuge. If we heed his call, if we don't delay, if we don't put it off, if we don't hesitate, if we follow his lead, the angels and the Lord visited Abraham and warned him of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham pled for their deliverance. There's 50 righteous people there. Don't destroy it. Oh, God says I won't destroy it if there's 50 righteous people there. God, Abraham gets him down to 10 people. You find 10 people, righteous people there. We just destroy the whole city for there's 10 still righteous people there. God says, no, if I find 10 righteous people, I won't destroy it. He sends two angels down there, and they search out Sodom and Gomorrah, and they can't even find 10 righteous people. But they find Lot and his wife and two daughters. And they urge him to get out of the city. Do not delay. And Lot delayed. The Bible says the angels had to basically take him out of the city. And on the way out, his wife turns back. The Bible tells us it became a pillar of salt. Could have been because of Lot's delay that she held on to the city, that she held on to the things of this world. We can't take it with us. Stop holding on to it. Let go and embrace God. Don't delay. Whatever habit, whatever anger, whatever bitterness, whatever revenge, whatever we're holding on to, let go. Unbelief, let go. Disaster is coming. A judgment day is coming. O Jerusalem, wash your hearts from wickedness, that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? God wants to save us. He wants to save us from our carnality. He wants to save us from our sinful tendencies, our sinful bent. And again, we're all born with a sinful bent. We're all born naturally opposed to biblical things. We're all born naturally opposed to God's word. We're all born with corrupt cravings. And that's why God wants to save us from that. He wants to take us from that. Right? God's salvation. We have a word that 
similar to salvation that we get the English word with salvation, salvage, right? The salvage yard, right? They take old cars, dump them in there, and you can salvage something out of the salvage yard, right? You can save some parts that were doomed for destruction, for crushing and melting, and you can get that part and you can put it into your car. That's what God wants to do with us. We're, we're doomed to destruction. We're bent towards evil. We're resistant to God. And he wants to salvage us. He wants to say, take that or unused part, the broken part, and he wants to change us and recreate us and make us new. Beautiful picture in the, in, the, in the caterpillar to the butterfly. That's what he wants to do for us. From a wormy looking thing that crawls on the ground, a green gut comes out of it if you step on it, destroys plants, and make us into something beautiful that goes and pollinates, and is a blessing, and looks beautiful, and flies. That's what God wants to do for us, that change that he wants to do. Verse 19, my soul, my soul, I am pained in my heart. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace. You have heard, O oh my soul, the sound of the shofar, the alarm of war. This is Jeremiah burning in his soul. I can't hold it in any longer. I have to warn the world. I have to warn the people of this world that our resistance to God is going to get us in trouble. It's done it time and time and time again throughout history. In Jeremiah's day, the resistance continued and Jerusalem was destroyed. Even though Jeremiah warned for many years, Jerusalem was destroyed just as Jeremiah predicted. Babylon came in just as Jeremiah predicted, even though other prophets were saying, don't worry, they're not going to destroy us. They did. God's warning again today. We're on a bad path. We need to turn, return to God. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. How long will I see the standard and hear the sound of the shofar? How long will we continue to hear it year after year and not allow it to penetrate our hearts and allow God to change us? Worshiping God is not a once-a-year experience. Worshiping God is not a three-time-a-year experience. Worship God is not even a once-a-week experience. How long will we hear the shofar and not respond to it? And to turn to God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul, and love Him in response to His great love for us. For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children. They have no understanding. They are wise to do evil. But to do good, they have no knowledge. And that's how we are. And we know how to do evil pretty well. That's how we're born. And people, again, one of the peace, peace that is taught to us is there's good in everyone. We're created in God's image. That's not what the Bible says. Adam and Eve were created in God's image. The rest of us are not. The rest of us are created in Adam and Eve's image. We turn from God. You put two kids in a crib with one toy. You know, you see that we're not good. We know how to do evil. We know how to take. We don't know how to share. It's not natural for us. It's a miracle of God that makes us generous and caring and loving and unselfish. We're wise to do evil, but to do good we have no knowledge. 
That's why we need God to save us. That's why we need God to change us. That's why we need to return to God. That's why we need to come to Him. That's why we need to repent. I saw the earth, it was without form and void, and the heavens had no light. The mountains trembled and the hills moved back and forth. I saw there was no man. What is Jeremiah seeing? What is being described here? I saw the earth, it was without form and void. The heavens had no light. The mountains trembled, all the hills moved back. I saw no man. What is he describing there? Creation, right? Wrong. Read the next verse. All the birds had fled. The fruitful land was a wilderness. All its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. Jeremiah is predicting a time when all this earth will be desolate, like creation all over again. And that's what happened to Jerusalem in Jeremiah's day, just about. Babylon comes through, destroys Solomon's temple, takes most people captive, becomes basically a wasteland. Jeremiah is prophesying that's going to happen to all the earth. A judgment day is coming. A young Kippur day is coming. A judgment day where God will separate those who've surrendered to him, those who've returned to him, those who've received his mercy and his forgiveness and his love, and those who've rejected and said, no, I don't want it. God gives us a choice. Adam and Eve had many, many children. They lived you know, close to 100 years. I mean, close to 1,000 years. In that time, you could have a lot of children. <laughs> they had a lot of children. Two were mentioned, Cain and Abel. Abel turns back to God. Abel brings a proper sacrifice to God. Cain wants to do it his way. Cain says, well, God said this, but my way is okay too. And he offers his own type of sacrifice. Abel is received by God. Cain is rejected. So from the beginning of time, we have our choices. We do it God's way. I mean, if you invited someone into your home, or if you were an employer, would you have an employee who always did things their way, who never did it your way? Who always did it opposite of what you said? How long would you keep them on the job? How long would you keep them in your house? I know there's some codependent people who keep them in their house for years and years and years and years. But you've got to wake up someday and say, this is my house. <laughs> God will not allow into his house those that are in constant rebellion against him. Because it would just destroy the house. It would destroy the peace. And heaven's not going to be that way. So on that final judgment day, God will destroy this earth in order to recreate a new heavens and new earth that the Hebrew prophet Isaiah talks about, which we'll get to, Sukkot. That's what Sukkot's about. Which we'll get to. And that's why Sukkot follows Yom Kippur. It's a judgment day, a cleansing day. God's got to destroy this earth in order to renew it. He's not going to plant flowers on top of the graffiti. He's not going to recycle the plastic that's filling the oceans down to the depth. Rubber tires and broken old cars. He's got to destroy this planet. He's going to make the whole thing waste, void, and destroy it all. And then out of the wasteland, create a new thing, a new heavens and a new earth wherein will dwell righteousness. So we've got to make it all the way to Sukkot. We have to go through the per first part, to go through the cleansing, and then rejoice. For thus says the Lord, the whole land will be desolate, yet I will not make a full end. 
So there'll be no man. The birds will have fled. The cities will be broken down. It'll be without form and void. It'll be desolate, the whole land. Yet he will not end it there. It won't be a full, complete end. It'll just be a cleansing of it all. The blacktop and the concrete will all be destroyed. The styrofoam cups and <laughs> Burger King things, all that will be destroyed. But it will not make a full end. And out of this old earth, God will create a new thing. Symbolic of what God wants to do and is doing in us. Takes the old and destroys the old. Doesn't just modify. It's not behavior modification. He destroys the old heart. He cuts it away like the circumcision, like the fallow ground. He destroys it. Gets rid of it. Recreates a new thing. For this shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black. Because I have spoken, I have purposed, and I will not relent, nor will I turn back from it. The judgment day is coming. This world will receive its just reward for the murders and the killings and the abuses and the thievery, crimes. Destruction that we're do, doing, raping this earth and, and the people on it, abusing country after country and people after people, testing out our weaponry on other countries, showing off how powerful we are, nation upon nation, the bloodshed and the hatred, the greed. Got to start all over again. Like he did with Noah, do it again. History repeats itself. Biblical history repeats itself because God is trying to get us a message. Our own history repeats itself because we're too dumb to learn from our mistakes. <laughs> but biblical history repeats itself because God is trying to teach us from, from the past. The whole city shall flee from the noise of the horsemen and bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb up on the rock. Every city shall be forsaken, and not a man shall dwell in it. When you are plundered, what will you do? Though you clothe yourself with crimson, though you adorn yourselves with ornaments of gold, though you enlarge your eyes with paint, in vain you will make yourself fair. Your lovers will despise you, and they will seek your life. Oh, we can make ourselves look wonderful. Oh, we can paint ourselves up and doll ourselves up and hang things off ourselves. But when you're plundered, what are we going to do? It's not going to help us in the day of judgment. That's why not only in Yom Kippur do we dress the Torah in white, we dress in white. On Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, in the temple of God, that God designed for Moses to build. God told him what, uh, what to wear, what the, his brother Aaron, as the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, was to wear. He continued on through Solomon's temple and on until 2,000 years ago, wearing the garments of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, with a breastplate with, with 12 jewels in it, representing the 12 tribes, and gold and purple and 
blue, and two gems on the shoulders, and a gold hat, holiness to the Lord written on it. But on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol took off all the gold, took off all the colors, and wore just white. Representing again the purity, the cleansing, nothing covering. Our books open before God. We can't adorn our records. We can't make poop smell good. We can't put perfume over it. You can put earrings and necklaces on a pig and it's still a pig. Put a robe on a dog and it's still a dog. He says, though you clothe yourself with crimson and adorn yourself, the lovers will despise you and they will seek your life. We can't cover up our sins by just excusing them away putting different words on them, renaming them. Sin is sin. God's word identifies it as sin. It's still an abomination to him, no matter what we call it, no matter how we excuse it, no matter how many times we tell ourselves, well, everybody else is doing it. It's just this one time, and it's just this little sin. Eventually I'll give it up. Eventually I'll do what I know I should do. All these excuses, we hang over it and paint it and color it up. It really wasn't my fault. It was my mom, it was my dad. I inherited it this way, I'm born this way. We're all born that way. We're all born rejecting God. That's why we need to be new. That's why we need to come to Him and surrender to Him. That's what Rosh Hashanah, that's what these 10 days are about, 10 days of awe are about. Allowing God to search us and try us as David prayed, search me and try me, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Change me, Lord. God, it takes a miracle of God to change us. Again, that caterpillar analogy is so beautiful and so appropriate. That's how miraculous the change that God wants to do in us is. And the caterpillar can desire to do that all he wants. He can go up on top of a high branch of a high tree and jump off, and he's still not a butterfly. He can tape wings to him, and he still won't fly. It's surrendering to God makes the difference. It's coming before Him, willing to obey Him, allowing Him to come into our hearts and into our minds, write His law in us, and allow Him to change us. And once God changes us and makes us butterflies, the butterfly doesn't have to try hard at flying. It becomes natural for the butterfly to fly. The butterfly doesn't have to try hard at sucking uh, a pollinating plants. It becomes natural to the butterfly. Butterfly doesn't have to paint itself to make itself beautiful. 
We're all like the caterpillar. That's how we're all born. And God wants to change us. And it's his miracle that does it. It's not trying hard to be good. It's allowing God to make us good. Allowing God to take our old self and bury it away in his sacrifice. Like Isaac said to Abraham, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham said, God would provide himself the sacrifice. God has provided himself the sacrifice. And if we accept his sacrifice for us, his salvation for us, the Lamb of God for us, he'll remove our sins, he'll wash us clean, and he'll make us new, day by day, transforming us and changing us into his likeness. And then, and what we used to not want to do, God then gives us the ability to want to do. And the ability to do it. And the things that we once loved that God's word tells us is not good, he changes us and changes our desires, and he gives us a hatred for those things that we used to do, and not only a hatred, but the power to turn from it. It's the miracle of God. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about. The miracle of God. God wants to do for us before the judgment day. Whether we accept his call or not, the judgment day will come. Yom Kippur will come and the ultimate Yom Kippur for this world as it came upon Jerusalem, as it came upon the world in Noah's day, as it came for Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, as it came for Sodom and Gomorrah, and time after time after time, that day will come. And the final one will be for the whole earth. What will we do? That's the question Jeremiah is asking. When you're plundered, what will we do? What are we going to do this Rosh Hashanah? What are we going to do during these ten days of awe? We're going to allow God to show us what sins are in our lives? We're going to allow God to show us what areas need to be changed? We're going to let him change us. We're willing to go apologize to those that we've hurt. We're willing to go and make things right that we were wrong, that we did wrong. We're willing to forgive those who hurt us and did us wrong. That's a miracle of God. We can't forgive in our own strength. That's a miracle that God does in us, giving us the ability to forgive. And don't get me wrong, forgiveness is not saying you can do it to me again. It's just the opposite. Forgiveness means I'm not going to retaliate against you, but you better not do it again. Give us the ability to forgive. Give us the ability to love. Give us victory in our lives. So we're entering into the ten days of awe. As we do, let us let God do something powerful in our lives. So as we prepare for prayer, any area that God's revealed in your life, maybe he's already speaking to you, areas that he wants to work on, that he wants to change, he wants to remove, let's surrender to him and allow him to do his work in us and through us. Let's pray together.
Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful for your mercy and love. Thank you that you come to us and have drawn us here at this moment to assemble together to hear the reading of your word, to hear the words of Jeremiah that are just as true today as they were in his day. Thank you for calling us to return to you. Thank you that the door is still open, the door of mercy is still open. Thank you for keeping it open for us. Continue to draw us by your spirit. Draw us by your love. And we give you permission tonight, right now, throughout these ten days, throughout our lives, to convict us, to bring guilt into our minds, to show us where we're wrong, show us where we've made mistakes, show us what you want to change in us. And then, Lord, do the miracle in us. Put us into your cocoon. Mold us, make us, destroy the old, and make all things new in our lives. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.